Hello, this is Daryl Castle with today's Castle Report. Today is Friday, May 10th, 2019, and on this report, I will be taking you back to the Middle East for a while. Since that seems to be where the action is this week, you probably remember that early in his term, President Trump canceled the Iran deal negotiated by the Obama administration. In addition to canceling the deal, he reimposed economic sanctions that severely curtailed Iran's ability to sell its oil on the world market. The sale of oil is 40% of the Iranian GDP, so preventing its sale is a crippling blow to the Iranian economy. The president did leave Iran a way out, however. He granted waivers to eight countries, China, Greece, India, Italy, Japan, South Korea, Taiwan, and Turkey all had waivers to exempt them from the sanctions. The exemptions were originally for six months, which expired May 2nd, and the president said he will not renew them, thus cutting Iran's oil sales to zero. A wise tactic in negotiating is to always leave your opponent an honorable means of escape when you trap a wounded animal. He has no means of escape. He has nothing to lose by fighting. U.S. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo has called on all nations to reduce Iran's oil exports to zero. The Iranians responded to this by announcing the resumption of their nuclear program and more ominously threatening to close the Strait of Hormuz to shipping. Iran's statement regarding the Strait was something like this. If our oil doesn't pass through the Strait, then no other country's oil will either. If the Iranians closed or tried to close the strait, then the U.S. would have to respond militarily, and we would find ourselves in a dangerous war with the potential for it to spread rapidly. The Iranians have said that if attacked by the U.S., they would also attack Israel. You can bet that Israel would hit back even harder. The United States and Iran move ever closer to war, closer perhaps than we've been in many years. These things usually happen step by step until some small spark ignites the explosion due to the lives and the economies of millions of people. Really come down to the egos of one or two people? Does President Trump really want war with Iran and is therefore trying to provoke them to action? Wouldn't he rather just go to Florida and play a couple of rounds of golf than he would to command a war possibly involving nuclear powers? Is he really in charge of this government or not? If not, then who is? If he doesn't want war, why does he surround himself with neocon war hawks such as John Bolton and Mike Pompeo? The two of them serve as National Security Advisor and Secretary of State, and they have been pushing their, quote, get tough with Iran policy since they were first appointed. It's pretty clear that they were responsible for the decision to cancel the waivers which allowed Iran a way to sell its oil, thus giving Iran no face-saving way out. The whole thing stinks to high heaven. I'm starting to see a nation being maneuvered into a corner with war as the only possibility. John Bolton announced last Sunday that the strike carrier Abraham Lincoln and its battle group would be sent into the eastern Mediterranean to support the carrier John Stennis already in the Persian Gulf. My understanding is that the Abe, as the sailors call it, transited the Suez Canal yesterday. 
In addition, four B-52 bombers from Barksdale Air Force Base, Louisiana, have been sent to uh, Al-Udeed Air Base in Qatar as additional striking power and as a psychological show of force. There is intelligence that some type of Iranian attack against U.S. forces, possibly in Syria or Iraq, was imminent, or at least that's the report released by the U.S. Mr. Bolton has said that any such attack would be met with, quote, unrelenting force, according to CNN. The Iranians have also been moving short-range ballistic missiles aboard small boats in the Persian Gulf. That would be an ominous sign if true. Who knows if it really is true. I know I don't believe any government. I don't believe their media either. I do know this much, though. One spark could ignite a war that could rapidly expand into World War III, and very few people seem concerned about it. I suppose we've lived with the threat of nuclear war for so long we're numb to it. People my age grew up with the Cuban Missile Crisis in a continuing state of war, which never seems to end. It's never exactly won or exactly lost. Why is that the state of our world? Didn't the dismantling of the Soviet Union under Reagan and Gorbachev relieve the threat of ICBMs falling on American cities? I suppose it has something to do with power and with money and with reorganizing the world for the benefit of a few, but who really knows for certain? Iran is the world's worst exporter of terrorism, we are constantly told. But if that is true, why do we import so many of their terrorists? Why do we leave our own border open for anyone to cross while sending two carrier battle groups to the Middle East? What would we as Americans think if Iran had a carrier battle group in the Caribbean and also one off California, as well as an army in Mexico and Canada? Those are just a few questions I suppose we're not supposed to ask. The United States is obviously conducting economic and psychological warfare against Iran right now. So what should and will be the Iranian response? Time will tell, I suppose. But the German media is reporting that the Abraham Lincoln is just a 100,000-ton bluff. That's what they say. They say the U.S. has no intention of conducting an actual attack. It's true that the Lincoln was scheduled for a Middle East deployment in early April, and Mr. Bolton made it sound as if it was in response to an immediate Iranian threat. The commander of the United States Sixth Fleet, which is the Mediterranean Force, is Vice Admiral Lisa M. Franchetti. That's right, folks. The Sixth Fleet is now commanded by a woman, but I'm sure she commands aircraft carriers. She's a qualified naval aviator. So the Abe was hers, but now it has passed into Fifth Fleet Control and is under the command of Vice Admiral James J. Malloy. He is the commander of the Fifth Fleet Headquarters in Bayron after having taken command when the previous commander, Vice Admiral Scott A. Sterner, was found dead last year in his home in Bayron. His death has been determined to be a suicide, so nothing to see here, folks. Just move along. Perhaps the Iranians... And the Germans are right in what they have said about the maneuvering, that this is just a tired old ploy used every time there's a perceived crisis, but really just a 100,000-ton bluff when John Bolton and Iran are involved. You just never know because there's no love lost there. Both are very volatile, though Israel and Saudi Arabia 
come into the mix, then you have a very dangerous situation. There seems to be a lot behind the scenes going on here, as one would expect in the Middle East before the U.S. decided to have two carrier battle groups in the relatively confining area of the Eastern Med and the Persian Gulf. Iranian TV reported that Iranian forces had identified 290 CIA agents stationed across different countries and thus forced the U.S. to, quote, reevaluate its intelligence capabilities, supposedly. This is akin to 2009 when Iranian forces somehow got their hands on U.S. intelligence software identifying U.S. spies in the Middle East, resulting in several arrests. As usual, the U.S. will neither confirm nor deny the reports. I'm hopeful that all this will just dry up and blow away. But there are war hawks running both countries now, so we'll see. Mr. Bolton, throughout his career, has maintained that regime change and getting the mullahs out of Iran was the only way to eliminate the Iranian threat. This is the month of Ramadan, holy to, to Islam, the month in which devout Muslims are not supposed to eat or drink from sunrise to sunset. It might be reasonable to conclude that with this holy month for Islam, war would not be likely, but history proves that not to be the case, several groups are exempt from the requirements of Ramadan, such as anyone who is sick, anyone on a long journey, children, pregnant women, nursing mothers, and those serving in the military. Islam considers that last one, those serving in the military. All those people are warriors, whether they serve in the conventional military or whether they are carrying out jihad. So the holy war against the infidels can continue during Ramadan. Quite often, Ramadan is the deadliest month on the calendar for those of us in the path of jihad. If that were all, it would be plenty, folks, but there's more. The Trump administration is pushing and being pushed to issue an order designating the Muslim Brotherhood as a foreign terrorist organization. Such an order would bring sanctions against a very influential group a group with millions of members across the Middle East. Such sanctions would place economic and travel sanctions on companies and individuals who interact with that group. The president was reportedly asked by the leader of Egypt, Mr. El-Sisi, to place the sanctions on the Muslim Brotherhood. It's interesting that countries such as Egypt, especially since the Brotherhood started in Egypt, and the Gulf Arab states, and of course Israel, want sanctions against a region-wide and to some extent worldwide group because it has strong ties to Iran. The designation is working its way up through the system, according to the New York Times. But apparently, Mr. Bolton and Mr. Pompeo both support it. The Brotherhood is a missionary movement founded in Egypt in 1928 by a schoolteacher and religious leader, working near the Suez Canal. He believed that an Islamic religious revival was necessary and would allow the Muslim world to catch up to the West and throw off their colonial rule. It's pretty obvious that the movement has had the exact opposite effect from what he intended. Should the U.S. add the Brotherhood to its list of terrorist groups, it would join with Russia, Iran, Saudi Arabia, Syria, Egypt, and the United Arab Emirates. In doing so, the Brotherhood exists in many countries, including some American allies, such as Turkey, which is also a NATO member. So how do you enforce sanctions against an ally, especially a fellow treaty member?
The standard for designating a group as a terrorist is a three-pronged one. Number one, it's a foreign group. Number two, it engages in terrorist activity. And number three, it is a danger to the United States. It's definitely a foreign organization, this brotherhood. But other than that, the other two will be very difficult to prove. What is easy to prove, though, is how much the United States has come to rely on the opinions of certain regional players in the Middle East, such as Saudi Arabia, Egypt, and, of course, Israel, should the United States choose to sanction its allies. It would be fair to say that the three governments I just mentioned are determining Middle East policy for the United States, or, on the other hand, are they just very influential over it? Finally, folks, who runs this government? Who commands the United States military? Who determines when and if and for what reason this country goes to war? Who even knows anymore? At least that's the way I see it. Till next time, folks, this is Daryl Castle. Thanks for listening.